Hey, hey, good morning, Grace Life. Hey, do me a favor and let's welcome our first time guests. Join me, guys. We are glad that you are here. Welcome. Hey, before we uh, dig in, as you heard, we are in the middle of summer of serve, and we really do believe that this city should be better because God's people are in it. So I wanted to highlight one of the things that we are doing, if you would allow me. Um, As you heard on the video, we are doing a blood drive on July 16th um, here at Grace Life. Now, you may not know this, but there's actually a critical need of blood right now here in our local community, but also in many communities throughout the United States. What I think is cool is this gives the people of God a chance to meet a real need because, you know, Jesus spilled his blood for us. We're forgiven through his blood but yet we can give some of our blood to save someone's life. Pretty neat, right? So what I wanna encourage you to do, sign up on the Red Cross uh, website. You have one of these on your seat that has the information. You can also sign up to serve on the day of, but let's fill every single slot that they are giving us and let's go save some lives here in Columbia. Amen? Amen, cool, cool. Well, I woke up this morning and saw that it was an interesting date on my calendar. So happy 4th of July, everybody. Uh, does anybody have some big plans? Who's shooting fireworks tonight? Oh, man. So all the party people were at Thursday night, it seems. <laughs> we know what they're doing as we speak. But hey, happy 4th of July. I, I, you know what I love about holiday weekends? It's that people get together and have a good time. There's just something about getting around the grill or around the campfire and just enjoying being with people. Anybody else with me? I love that. And I look forward to it. Um, but something I've noticed is that as a culture as a whole, we're kind of struggling to stay united and on the same page, aren't we? You may have said, you know what? We just don't seem to get along very well anymore. And can I be honest? You know why that is? Because people are hard to get along with. (laughs) Where there are people, there are problems. And where there are problems, there are people. People can be hard. I mean, everybody's got that guy at work that you just can't get along with, right? What's funny, Thursday night when I made that comment, one of our team members looked at me funny. I'm like, oh, I hope I'm not that guy. (laughs) But people can be a little hard to get along with. You know, HOAs, prime examples. Have you ever left an HOA meeting singing Kumbaya with everybody else? I didn't think so. And you know what else I've noticed? Even the people that we like can be hard to get along with sometimes. Let me tell you, my wife, I love my wife. And I actually really, really, really like her as well. Like I enjoy spending time with her. But I've learned um, through 12 years of marriage that I'm not always the easiest person to get along with. And, And you know, when you're first getting in a relationship and things are getting serious, you have a few little fights and you think, oh, you know, hey, we got this. This is easy. We're gonna be able to make it work. And then you have the fight. The first real one where it's like, oh, (laughs) things just got real. I remember that very well. You see, what had happened was (laughs) we just got engaged, and my wife is from Vienna, Austria, for for those of you who may not have known that. So I was bringing her home for Christmas to meet my family in sunny central Florida. So to paint the picture for you, my family's a little bit to handle, if you can't figure that that already. And uh, we're spending two weeks there, And this is a new city, new state, new country, culture, and people, all right? So it's already a lot going on. 
but we made it through pretty well until towards the end of our time, we decided that we were going to um, spend the afternoon watching some movies. Didn't have nothing else to do. Um, so to date myself a little bit, Maggie, my brother, and I got in my car, and we drove up to Blockbuster to go pick out some movies. We perused the aisles, and um, we're picking out DVDs, and she picked out one DVD, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Now, I'm not sure what she was trying to say about my family, but that was the one DVD she wanted. So she went to go wait in the car when my brother and I finished our selections. So we took our movies up to the counter and found that we had a coupon on our account for not, not just any coupon, the coupon of coupons, three free new releases. Y'all remember those? Guess what was not a new release? So, you know, us being the frugal, practical you know, men of the family, me and my brother decided, you know, we're going to maximize our value. We're going to walk out of here without paying a cent. This is going to be great. So we picked out three new releases, went back into the car. We were just proud of our just amazing godly wisdom to steward his finances well. And so we drove off. And then my precious young fiance, God bless her, saw that her movie was not in the stack that we got in the car with. Words ensued. After said words ensued, at a stoplight, when the car had barely come to a complete stop, she exited the vehicle and told us that she was walking home. Now, if you didn't catch that detail, she's from Vienna, Austria, where that's, that's what you do. You walk home, you grab a bus. I'm from suburbia, USA. We don't walk nowhere. It's too spread out. I mean, it's December, but it's still hot in Florida. I mean... But, you know, being the very wise person that God has, you know, blessed me with, I decided to let her do it. <laughs> Two hours later, I realized that that wasn't the smartest idea. So my brother and I went back out looking all over town for her. And, you know, thank goodness we found her. And she was all right, safe and everything, in a random public parking lot. How she got there, I don't know, but that's where we found her. More words ensued, and I will spare you the rest of the details. <laughs> but what my wife learned real quick, and I learned, people, even those we love and like, can be really hard to get along with. <laughs> Amen? But you know what? In our culture, regardless if we like the people or we don't like the people, there will always be strife. There will always be some conflict. The world will be chaotic. So if you have ever been in that place where you said, God, what can we do about this. Let me propose something to you. I think there should be one place on planet Earth when everything else may be going crazy and nuts and the world may be on fire, but there is one place where people should be able to find peace and true unity, and that's in the local church. And what if I told you that that was God's heart for us, that that's what he wants for us? We know that because that's exactly what Jesus prayed for. If you look in the, in the Gospel of John, John records the whole Last Supper where they're together right before Jesus went to the cross. And then in chapter 17, John captured the prayer that Jesus prayed there with all of his disciples before they left the place. And it's just an awesome insight into Jesus's heart for his people and for what he's about to do. So he prays for what's about to happen. He prays for his disciples and then he pivots. And then he prays for all of those who would come to know him through their message. In other words, he prayed for you and I today because we've come to know him through that message. 
that's pretty cool that Jesus was already praying for us, right? And do you know what he prayed for us? He prayed that they would be one. He prayed that you and I would be one. And then he kept going on to say that they would be brought together in complete unity. Now that's quite a prayer, isn't it? That's something beautiful. That's something that we should want to align our hearts with Jesus's heart for us, that we would be brought to what? Complete unity. And then Jesus continues and says, so that the world will know who I am. So do we want the world to be at peace? Then we introduce them to the Prince of Peace by the way that we are one. Do we want our culture and our world to be healed? Well, we show them through our unity who the healer is. Do we want hope to abound in our city? Then we show them the Savior as you and I become one, just as he and the Father are one. Now, that's quite the prayer, isn't it? Now, that unity is deep. It's not something superficial. Like, you ever been to a uh, USC game? Anybody ever been to williams Bryce Stadium? So not a whole lot of Gamecock fans in here either. That's okay, because I'm going to pick on you. So I went once. And it's interesting. You get to this place, and there's just an electric energy. It's actually pretty neat. Everybody's wearing the same color shirts. And I'm not sure why, but there's a chicken on all their shirts. Um, but you get into the stadium. They're all, they're all chanting the same thing. And it's a really cool atmosphere. They score. Everybody goes nuts. There is an electric energy and a unity of those teams. Well, at least until the second quarter. Anyway. Uh, but the unity that... <laughs> It's real life. That's it's what it is. Uh, <laughs> the unity that Jesus is calling us to is a lot deeper and something so much more precious than just being agreeable and cheering for the same team. He wants us to be one with him and one with each other just as he and the Father are one. Now, you may be saying, Pastor Chuck, that is an awesome. That, I just love your vision, but let's be real. Where there are people, there are and it seems impossible. I mean, you get people in the same room with different political beliefs, with different cultural backgrounds, and then you add in the sin nature. That's kind of hard to get along when you start just mixing that. I mean, we can cheer friendly for an hour over a football game, but then somebody makes the comment, right? But here's the thing. Jesus prayed for it. Our hearts should be aligned with his. And if he prayed for it, that's something we should see here on earth and not just when we get to heaven. Amen? So what do we need to do about it? That is the big question. The Apostle Paul, I love his writings. In Ephesians, one of my favorite verse, um, one of my favorite books in the Bible, in chapter four, he actually gives us a really simple mandate when it comes to being one. In chapter four, verse three, he says this. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit, how? Through the bond of peace. He says, make every effort to keep the unity through the bond of peace. Now, can I break that down just for a couple seconds? Like this verse is loaded with a bunch of cool stuff. Like, first of all, we see that unity, it's a gift from God. This isn't something that we manufacture. This isn't something that we can create. It is something supernatural, unity of the spirit. You see, when we make Jesus our King and our Lord and Savior, do you know his Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us? 
And that's the thing that makes us unified. So it doesn't matter if you're white or black or Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter. All of that doesn't matter anymore because we have the one and the same spirit of Jesus living inside of us. All the other stuff doesn't matter. So it's a gift that we are given. And it's something that we should cherish. It's precious. But we have a part to do what? To keep it. Many other translations use the word maintain or to preserve. It's something that we are to guard because it's a gift from Jesus, one of his most precious gifts to us. And how do we do it? Through keeping the bond of peace. What's a bond? It's like the glue that holds it together or like the belt that keeps the pieces tight and where they're supposed to be. Think about it like this. If you go to build a brick wall, you take bricks, you stack the bricks. What do the bricks need in between them to keep them together? Mortar, exactly. Now, if the mortar's not there, the bricks could be perfectly stacked, but there's problems that happen, right? I know because I tried to do that. One house I had one time, I decided I was gonna build a really nice retaining wall. I mean, it was only gonna be a little high, you know. I didn't need mortar. Didn't wanna waste my time doing the mortar. So I took a whole weekend, had this whole nice thing, perfect angle. Man, I'm telling you, that that circle was impeccable. Next morning I woke up, some of the bricks were missing. I was like, okay, this is weird. By the end of the next week, half my wall was gone. You know what I discovered? Because there was no mortar holding the bricks together and no mortar to keep the cracks filled, squirrels were digging in the cracks looking for nuts and had destroyed my wall. See, our unity is kind of like the bricks where Jesus brings us together and builds something beautiful with us. But if we don't maintain the bond of peace, which is like the mortar, what happens when mortar cracks? Division starts to happen. You see, Satan knows if he can steal our peace, he can start to break our unity. This is why Paul says, do what? He says, make every effort to keep this gift that God has given us through the bond of peace. Again, not easy, right? So what do we do about this? I love the way he puts it in Romans. He says in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, he says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So what are we gonna do if we're gonna keep this bond of peace? Is we are gonna pursue Peace. Now, everybody say pursue. Pursue. All right? That's an action word, right? That means we're not just hoping for it. We're not just praying for it. That means we're doing something about it. All right? So we are going to pursue peace to guard and cherish this gift of unity that Jesus has given his church. All right? That's what you need to know. Go pursue peace. Have a great 4th of July. Go get along with people. Oh, not as easy. Why? Because where there are people, there are So here's the deal. It may be hard to pursue peace, but this is a calling that we have. Regardless when it comes easy to us, regardless when it's hard, this is what we do as followers of Jesus. Because why? We want the world to see who he is. And we're gonna do that by being one with one another. So here's the question, what do we do about it? We're gonna pursue peace, And the first thing that we need to do before we even start talking about the practical, what to do, what not to do to be at peace with people, we have to make sure our foundation is right. Because if we're gonna pursue people and peace with them, 
we first got to make sure that we have peace with God. So we need to pursue peace with God before we do anything else because I don't think it's possible to have peace with the people of God if we're not at peace with God himself. (laughs) You know, the good news is though, is that this is one of the more simple things that we do. Romans 5.1 says this, he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see that moment when we make Jesus our king and we ask him to come into our hearts to forgive us of our sins, we are forgiven. We are no longer enemies of God, but sons and daughters of the king. We can have peace with God and hope to spend eternity with him forever. There's an incredible peace knowing where we're going when this life is done. Incredible. But there's another type of peace that we had to pursue with God as well. And there's a relational peace, knowing that we are walking in obedience to his word, knowing that we are honoring him with our life. When we're doing that, there is a peace that comes because we don't have to deal with shame and condemnation and guilty conscience. There's a peace in walking in right standing with him. Now, King David, if you've ever studied much of his life, He had a ton of ups and downs and just a crazy life. But something that marked his life, if you read through Psalms, he loved God's word and he sought to obey all the commands. There was a passion for living in right relationship with God. And he observes observes some of the benefits of that in Psalms 112. So check out what he says. He says, blessed are those who fear the Lord who find great delight in his commands. So in other words, we are blessed when we are honoring God and following his commands in our life. And he goes on to say this. He says, surely the righteous, watch this, will never be shaken. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. That sounds like an incredible peace that comes. Why? By walking and pursuing God, by making sure you are living a life that honors him. We pursue peace with God by also honoring his commands. Now, I'm also a pastor's kid, if you didn't know that. If you grew up in church, you know that doesn't always have the best reputation, right? And I went through that phase where if I told you I was honoring God at that point in my life, I would be lying to you. And I was a younger teenager at that point, involved in some stuff I shouldn't have been in. And I didn't have that type of peace with God. And this was before cell phones were commonplace. So my family would go out to go shopping and stuff, and I'd be left at home alone. If they didn't come home right on time, I started to develop this intense anxiety and fear that I missed the rapture. Man, I would turn on the TV looking to see if there's planes falling out of the sky. I'd call people on their landlines. And if I couldn't get nobody, man, I was tripping. Like, Jesus, I'm sorry. Come take me too. Take me too. I'm sorry. Here's the deal. Having peace with the Father is essential to having peace with his children. So if we want to have peace with people, we've got to first pursue peace with God. But then after that, there's another type of peace that we have to pursue, And that's a peace within us, a peace in our soul. And you may be saying that, isn't that what you were just talking about? Not exactly. Let me explain the difference. You see, we can be at peace with God being forgiven of our sins and living a righteous life, but then also not have peace in our soul because the worry and anxieties of our life start to fill us. We can allow the burdens of our life to become so strong that we can't carry the burdens of others. We can allow stress 
to just consume us where we have no rest in our soul? How can we speak peace to a world when there's unrest in our soul? Because you can't give what you don't have and what is on the inside comes out. Of all the things that we talk about today, this, can I just be real? This is where I've struggled the most. I'm, I'm a workaholic to an f- extreme fault. By the time I was 24, uh, I had filled my life so much with work and just pursuing to do, to do good, good things, but that I had already developed a stress-induced acid reflux. I started having a severe issue with panic attacks. I had no peace in my soul. I was good with Jesus, but I had no peace inside of me. And he's still working on me on that. I've gotten a lot better than I was before. But you know what he's teaching me? God has really just been impressing on my heart to fight for margin. Because we have to have room in our life to have the peace that he wants to give us. And he keeps whispering, if you want this peace inside of you, pursue the Prince of Peace. Use that margin to pursue Jesus. Because there's a peace that comes when our when our souls and our hearts are not full with the stress and the burdens of this life, when we pursue him, something cool happens. And Paul talks about it in Philippians 4, 7, where he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But we've got to make room to pursue the Prince of Peace if we want to receive that peace that guards our hearts and our minds. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, some of y'all are like, okay, I got this. Number one, check. Number two, check, check. I am ready to go. We got this made. But the problem is, these first two things are all to help us to get to the third thing, pursuing peace with people. So if you weren't taking notes yet, now might be the time to grab that pencil. Because again, where there are people, there are. And not everybody's as easy to get along as Camp Fancher. Um, so we have to do something to get along with people. It may be nice to have peace with God and nice to have peace within, but the rubber hits the road in our interactions with people. Um, something I do with my kids is I help them to memorize scriptures, truths that I want them to have deep inside of their soul. The one that we've been working on for the past couple of weeks and just perfect for today, let me share it with you. Romans twelve eighteen. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Wouldn't that be nice if all of our kids got that and applied that to their siblings as well? I love how he puts it there. As far as it depends on who? You. So as far as it depends on us, we do everything we can to live at peace with one another. Sometimes that means it's gonna be a one-way street where we're the only one doing something, but that doesn't absolve us. Again, we're called to show the world who Jesus is. We're gonna guard the peace. We're gonna do everything in our power to pursue peace so that we can cherish and preserve the unity in the church. Going back to Ephesians 4, um, where we have our main verse talking about the bond of peace, what's cool is Paul actually has nuggets all throughout chapter 4 that are great things that help us to keep peace with people. Now, we could be here until 4 o'clock just naming them because there's a ton But what I want to do is I want to look at a couple of these things um, as reminders and also encouragement of what we need to do to practically pursue peace with the people in our lives. So the first thing I want to point out is we pursue peace with people through our words. 
through what comes out of our mouth, what we communicate. In Ephesians uh, 4.29, Paul writes this. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. All right, do not let any what? Unwholesome talk. So our words will either build us up or they will tear us down, okay? What we speak matters. There is the power of life and death in our tongue. Now, something that's been grieving me, and I've, and I've seen this, I mean, like I said, I'm a pastor's kid. I've seen this my entire life in different churches. One of the types of speech that we allow ourselves to be party to that destroys peace is gossip. Now, you've seen this in your workplace. You've seen this in other areas of your life. You might even see it in your family group chat. Gossip kills peace. So as the people of God, this isn't something that we're going to be party to because this tears down and doesn't guard the peace that we're called to maintain. So I could preach again about this all day long, but let me give you a three-liner real quick. If you ain't part of the problem and you ain't part of the solution, you shouldn't be part of the conversation. Simple enough? All right. We love the people of God enough to not spread or be part of gossip. Okay, we're just gonna shut that down. But rather, we're gonna encourage people. We're gonna build them up and speak life into them. Now, our words also can unite us or they can divide us. And I think culturally, we're struggling here. I mean, if you pull up your Facebook app right now, it ain't gonna take you more than two or three swipes till you see a little bit of what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, you know those people, right? And I mean, we're probably guilty of it sometimes too. We like to grab the ladle and stir the pot. You know what I'm saying? You see it every day too. Don't act like you don't know what I'm saying. They just grab it and like, ooh, there's a conversation. Let me just jump on in here and stir it up. Oh, good little one-liner here. Stir it up. And the ladle that these people use sometimes, my goodness. And then as if it's not enough to keep stirring it, like, oh, let's throw a little jalapeno in there. Oh, that's not enough. Let's throw some Carolina Reaper. And we just keep stirring it and stirring it. But the problem is when we're so interested in stirring the pot, we can bring destruction and division with our words. See, it's possible to stand up for godliness and righteousness without tearing people down. If this has been a struggle for you, let me ask you, do you care more about God's people or your opinions? Do you care more about a cause or than building the kingdom of God? Sometimes we need to examine our motives right here when it comes to our words, because what are we called to do? We're called to pursue peace. Our words can either bring death or it can be life. Let me ask you, what kind of environment do you want to create with the words that come out of your mouth, the words that come out of your keyboard? Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to pursue peace with people through our words, but then we're also going to pursue peace by quickly forgiving. Quickly forgiving. We're going to keep clean hearts with people. In verse 32, Paul says this. He says, forgive one another just as God forgave you. And that's powerful. He didn't put any if and or buts about it. He said, forgive as God has forgiven us because of what Jesus did. All right, there's not a lot of room there. All right, so we need to quickly forgive. Now, you ever been to a family reunion where aunties got beef with grandma? And you know, things get a little dicey. When there is unforgiveness, there's not just diciness it's awkward. And peace and awkward aren't always like the best of friends, all right? We want to have an environment where peace can abound. When you're mad at people, 
and it's hard to be kind with them, all right? So we want to keep clean hearts toward one another, but then also beyond that, we need to quickly apologize as well. Let me tell you, as someone who's found themselves being the offender more times than I'd like to admit, there's a lot of power in saying, I'm sorry. You want to bring peace to a situation? Run to the person. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I did. That helps it be so much easier for that person to be able to forgive. So we're going to quickly forgive. We're going to quickly apologize. We're going to maintain peace in our relationships through forgiveness. In verse 2, Paul says this. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. We also have to pursue peace with people through our attitude and our disposition towards them. This one can be hard because this is a matter of our heart. Be humble. Is your heart in a place where you're willing to put others first and not think better of yourselves? Be humble. Be gentle. Now, we have to have tough conversations sometimes too, right? But that doesn't mean the tough conversation had to be rough conversations. We're gentle in how we speak and how we interact. It's a disposition of our heart toward people. Be patient. My mama used to say, patience is a virtue. Why? Because it's hard. I never realized how impatient I was until I had kids. And I never learned how to be patient nearly as much as through experience of being a father. But I'm so thankful that God has been patient with me. So thankful that he's been patient with me. Not everybody is at the same place as you are. Not everybody has had the same experiences as you had. So let's have an attitude and disposition of patience with them because God's been patient with us. And my favorite from that list, bear with one another. An easy way of saying that is simply, you ain't always gonna get along easily with people. It's not hard to get along with people when they cut you off in traffic. And there's all kinds of personality rubs and opinions that will drive us nuts. Does it matter? Nope. We're not giving it out there either. It says, bear with one another. How? In love. At the end of the day, our attitude of love has to win out. So we're going to pursue peace through our attitude and disposition toward others. And lastly, we're going to pursue peace through our actions and how we treat people. Verse 32 also says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Man, let me tell you, when we start taking this seriously, that changes the atmosphere of every room we walk into. How hard is it to be mad at somebody or not like somebody when they're always so nice to you? Maybe they greet you with a smile. They go above and beyond to help. It changes things. The way that we show love through action is kindness and compassion. The way that we physically interact with people and our actions matter. You know, unfortunately, American Christians don't have the best reputation for being the kindest people on earth. I don't think that should be the case. You know how that changes? Changes here, changes between us. The way that we're willing to go out of our way and help somebody in need. When's the last time that you were willing to pick up the box and help somebody move houses? That's hard work, but it's kindness. Or go help somebody build their deck or go sit with somebody after they just lost a parent or a sibling. Our love expressed through kindness creates an atmosphere where peace overflows and abounds. 
I want you to hear my heart today. I want us to be a church. I want us to be a people who are known by our love because we can live at peace and unity with one another. I want the world to see even when we don't agree on politics, even when we don't agree on some theology, even though we don't agree on some stuff, there's no daylight in between us, that we are one. Just as Jesus and the Father are one, we have been called to that complete and perfect unity. That's my heart for you. That's my heart for us, that we would be that church that Jesus prayed for, that we wouldn't wait until the other side of heaven, but that we would experience it here on earth. Why? So that the world will see Jesus. So that the world will see who he is through us. Because what happens when the world sees Jesus through our unity? They can meet the Prince of Peace and be at peace with God. When the world sees Jesus through our unity, lives are changed. When the world sees Jesus through our unity, marriages and relationships are restored. People are healed. I mean, sight returns to the blind, y'all. When people see Jesus through our unity. That's what I want for all of us to be that place that truly reflects who Jesus is in our city, in our state, in our nation. That we'd be the people that the rest of the world looks at and says, they get it, I need what they have. I wanna ask you to do one simple thing today. Is that all right? Just one. As you go throughout this week, I want you to just simply ask the Holy Spirit this question. Where do I need to pursue peace in my life? Maybe it's something we talked about today. Maybe it's something different, but just simply ask him, show me where do I need to pursue peace in my life and obey what he says and start pursuing it. Is that all right? I wanna leave you with one last verse. This verse, I actually pray over my kids every single night before I put them to bed. And this is also my prayer for you. Colossians 3 verse 15 says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace let me pray with you Jesus I thank you so much that you are the prince of peace Lord I thank you that you came to this earth so that we could have peace with you and God I ask that is as we continue to pursue you that you would deepen our love that we have for one another. Lord, that we wouldn't be consumed in our own selfishness and our own agenda, but God, that, that we would love others enough to do whatever it takes, as far as it depends on us, to live at peace with them so that we can guard this precious gift you've given us of unity. God, help us to be the people and the church that you have called us to be so that everyone would know who you are through us. God, I pray that as we go out today and we get ready to celebrate, Lord, that the peace of Jesus, the peace of Christ would rule in our hearts as we look to you. As you remain in a place of prayer, we talked about just a few moments ago about how the first thing that we need to pursue is peace with God. 
And maybe you're here today and you haven't taken that opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. Maybe you've never experienced having that peace with him. I wanna give you that chance today. Or maybe you're in a situation where I was, where you know God, you've invited him in your life before, but maybe you've walked away and not currently experiencing that peace for walking in relationship with him. I wanna give you the same invitation to come home today. I would love everybody to have that chance today to be at peace with God. So if that's you, I wanna pray with you. Just make a prayer between you and God similar to this. Say something like, Jesus, I thank you that you came to this earth for me, that you lived and died and rose again so that I can have peace with you. Jesus, I admit that I've sinned and I've fallen short of your standard, but I ask that you would come into my life, that you would forgive me of my sins and empower me to live a life for you. Jesus, today I make you my king. I ask that you give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen and amen. Let's celebrate with those people today.